noise. I urge uh, my friends and colleagues to look carefully at what I wrote, things that, that I've said that are wrenched out of, out of context of uh, 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 buses. I have concluded that person cannot be me. Old boys. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Old Boys Book Club. My name is Johnny. And my name is Andy. And we are not going to have any preamble this week. We are going to dive straight into chapter 56 because we are right at the uh, coal face of this book. Everything's kicking off. Uh, it's, a, it's a very short chapter, as they all are, but there's a lot happening. Um, so if you don't mind, Andy, we're just going to dive straight in. I'm already there. I can't, I can't. It's Christmas morning and I've been asked, has he been? And all I want to do is get in there and tear those gifts open. So don't, <laughs> don't hold me back. I'll just, I'm raring to go. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Old boys. Okay. So Jonathan, it is with great pleasure that I bring you chapter 56 of Prime Minister Boris Johnson's <laughs> 72 Virgins. <laughs> and uh, the, the time... Is, is well it's getting on it is the, the shadow is almost just around your feet it's it's 11 it's raced ahead to 11 um, wow four minutes after the last chapter um so that was a, that really was a page a minute so we have made ungainly pace yeah we've, we've people have stormed into the present it, well exactly passengers have passed out you know the heads are reeling and it's mm. 11 18 in the morning it is lies or lies railed jones it is the Fox TV. It is propaganda and bullshit. Oh, we don't often get bad language, language. Jones, So Come on. Honestly, what did, they did not teach you manners at the Langellin hairdressing <laughs> college. I think someone was dragged up, not brought up, mate. Well, exactly, yeah. Speak to your mother uh, with that mouth. <laughs> but Jones could not stop the earth turning. Well, fair, fair observation. And as dawn continued to break over America, and as the alarm clocks went off and the TVs went on, Americans voted in huge numbers to vindicate their right to bang up the towel-head nutters. Oh, oh. God. Can I stop you there? <laughs> I, yes, please do. I, I mean, we've talked a little bit about HarperCollins, who published this absolutely awful book. But how does that get through the net in 2004? Towel head nutters. He, he's, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that you can imagine the uh, editorial meeting, as we so often do, this meeting that I, I'd give an arm to have been in. And it's, 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 so, so Boris, it's, it's page 303. And you'll find the red line on the sheet. So <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be Talhead. It is, it, yeah, it is Talhead. Yeah, it is. We've got a problem. The publisher's got a problem. Okay, got it, got it. You see, the thing is, that's um, that's the uh, interpretive view of what's going through the mind of the uh, of the agent of this chapter. And you're like, okay, well, that that's passed a few times for us. But mm -hmm. in this case, um, if the voice isn't the narrator, which we're pretty sure it is, but if it isn't the narrator, it's Jones, and. Yeah. It doesn't seem that Jonas would self-identify as a towel-headed nutter. No. So it's, it's, it's implausible that this has been let fly. That's, that's just the narrator's voice. Yeah, it's incredibly offensive and an absolutely brilliant way to start chapter 56. Well done to the Prime Minister on that one. Second sentence, chapter 56. I've got a feeling, mate, that this one... Is going to be a doozy. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm already excited. I bought it. He's, yeah. he's got me. It's unusual for the episode title to appear so early. 
in the uh, <laughs> in the record. <laughs> well, the, as unfortunately, well. well, unfortunately, we're subject to much uh, tighter editorial control than those imposed by a uh, 2004 Harper Collins uh, <laughs> editor. So we we actually wouldn't be able to, and rightly, I wouldn't want to, but we wouldn't be able to call it that uh, without some editing. So um, it continues in Iowa. Wanda Pickle and Jason Jr. voted solidly for the president. And so did mom's new friend, Howie, a realtor whom she had met on the set of a daytime TV show. Oh, so. Are we meant to, are we meant to know that? I uh, know, but I mean, it's a surprise there's not a scuba instructor. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. All that time. She probably was just learning to scuba dive at night, but <laughs> she spent, <laughs> yeah. spent yeah. her days on TV sets. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest, Pickle is not the most uh, believable source, is he? Well, no, exactly. Oh, and also, if we imagine Pickle's state of mind at this bleeding out, um, he's not that reliable. But um, yeah, mum's new... It's just a weird... It's like a weird... Like, I get the way of phrasing it, and I get the kind of voice he's trying to adopt, but I don't understand why. He doesn't need to... It's not the boy's perspective <laughs> on things. It's doesn't, We don't care about Pickle's wife. We, I mean, we've not been allowed to care about any of the characters because they're so thinly badly written but we certainly yeah. don't care about jason pickles ex-wife's new like it's just so irrelevant it's well it's your mother's new friend all right yeah. it's, uh, jason jr it just gets just gets junior as a name but like, why why should we care yeah anyway there we are so now jones could feel his majority slipping away he was like one of those candidates who thinks he has won on the night bear with me johnny because you're <laughs> This is quite a complicated metaphor. So you'll remember that Jones is involved in, in a sort of mass vote. And yeah. uh, depending on turnout and depending on preference, the, the outcome uh, will be determined. And Jones has a stake in one outcome. And the president, his kind of adversary in the setup, a stake in the other. So yeah. and, bear, and bear with it, me. It's interesting to note, though, uh, that Jones has, uh, prior to the results being pub made public, has promised to respect the outcome of the election, which is more than can be said for the previous president so <laughs> well exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah in the hierarchy of uh, proper behavior in this situation jones is he's up on the, on the last president um so anyway let's see if you can get your head around this metaphor john yeah remembering the context so um jones was like one of those candidates who thinks he has won yeah mm -hmm. on the night of the election because they count the votes from the liberal urban areas first ah so, right yeah Read into that as you will. Uh -huh. Only as the votes start to come in from the shires, from the boneheaded conservative villagers where they know right from wrong, does it dawn on the candidate that the race may be closer than he thought. So, <laughs> wow. A lot, I mean, a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack there. I mean, BJ showing an absolute contempt for everyone in that paragraph, <laughs> which yeah. is interesting to note. But also, it, what, it, it's, it's interesting to know in the Boris verse that the densely populated urban areas are, are rattling through those vote counts, mate. They're getting them out first, but the little villages with 50-odd people, it, it takes a while to count them. Can't, can't, get those, uh, can't get those results in until, oh, gosh, um, we're only up to, we've only counted 40. There's at least 10 more to go. It'll be another couple of hours. It's absolutely <laughs> mental. Anyone who's ever watched an election knows <laughs> that the cities take longer to count because there's more people living there. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He's also, <laughs> he's also said that the ones in the villages are those people who know right from wrong. 
presumably he sees that as a good trait mm-hmm. um but they're also boneheaded yeah um so I don't, which i think is an insult um yeah and he uh presumably also his his electorate his demographic yeah. so it's 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 a confusing line yeah um <laughs> And, and an awful metaphor. It, it's, it's really shaping up this chapter. I'm enjoying it. It is. Yeah. Um, Dean, he noted, was now out of the door. And Jones began to count his protégé's footfalls down the corridor. Another couple of seconds, he thought, and stroked the Nokia. Uh-oh. You'll remember that uh, the plan yeah. is that uh, the, the uh, terrorists are wearing vests, Johnny, rigged up to... Uh, mobile phone devices and uh yeah jones controls all of the mobile phone devices so he's their, their fate literally lies in his hands absolutely yeah a nice little sponsored post for nokia there as well exactly yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have a, a bowl of weetabix for dinner and make a call on my nokia <laughs> anyway we're back to the hall so i yeah. say in conclusion which you'll be pleased to know because this has been going on some time his <laughs> brief remarks and, and I suspect it's not actually going to be a quick conclusion perorated the Frenchman that to hate America is in a way to hate ourselves Ooh, it is deep. a fact of yeah it is deep isn't it it is a fact of human psychology that all our most vehement opinions all our most passionate prejudices are but the result of some internal argument some unresolved tension in our own souls if I may borrow the words of a great Anglo-Saxon writer, the rage of those who despise America is the rage of Caliban, staring at his face in the glass. It may <laughs> seem odd to some of my countrymen that I should end my speech with the same slogan that you might hear from the lips of the president if he were still with us. But I say these words with the utmost sincerity and respect. God bless America, ladies and gentlemen, messieurs, mesdames, and I say it again. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, did you catch that deft sleight of hand there, Andy, in the, uh, in the absolutely ripping prose of that previous paragraph? That the, uh, the rage of those, despise Amer- of those who despise America is the rage of Caliban. The, the ra- we just hate ourselves hating on America because we're just, it's just us looking in the mirror. Because ah. in this instance, in this, in this example, mate, the, the French you know, uh, yeah, they, they, they hate America, but it's only because they're, they're seeing themselves. They hate America for starting an illegal war, but that's just a reflection of the fact that their nation voted against that illegal war, and it's not what they... I uh, don't know. No, no. And they, vote, they voted against it because, <laughs> because they also hate themselves. Yeah. And they hate themselves because <laughs> they hate America. And so, so they've, they've done something against America... Yeah, because they hate themselves. Because they hate, hate themselves, it doesn't it doesn't work for me, Johnny. As a it's speech, a, it's yeah. com- it's confused. I think yeah, it would be relatively easy to rebut. Um, they hate America because they said America, please don't start this war. It's going to be really bad for everyone. And then they did, and then they were angry with them, quite rightly. Yeah, I think that's the gist of it, isn't it? I think that's the. I don't want this to be a kind of precursor or foreshadow for what the experience of finishing the book next episode might be. But <laughs> that, that was several chapters of doggerel that went nowhere and didn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. And I feel a little bit like that was kind of the teaser. That was the trailer. Yeah. For, yeah. Delivered too late, admittedly, for us. And for yeah. our listeners. But, you know, that's, that is maybe encompassing the entire experience in, yeah. in a few short chapters. Yeah.
Um, but it, anyway, he seems to be cut off, actually, mm -hmm. I'll say, punctuation-wise to the readers. He says, and I say it again, and then there's a sort of double hyphen to the mm -hmm. end of the uh, speech mark, but it seems like he's cut off. And then we're immediately, we take the action to Haru, who's finally disentangled himself from the towel. He was filled with that infantile ballistic joy that comes in the last second before the weapon is discharged. I am a missile, a sidewinder, a tank, he thought. I will shoot them all. As he, as he thought, as he, he thought again, I will shoot them all, he thought, as he aimed at the sign saying, shanks. I will tear their bodies into little pieces and cause them more pain than they will ever know. And then there's a break. Then there's just the word God, dot, dot, dot. And then there's another break. <laughs> so Haroon's, I think, finally having a piss. And, but this is a nice, it's a nice little, uh, another nice little window into, into Boris's mind whenever he goes for a waz. Got to point it at something. Got to point it at something, pretend to be a tank. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Sidewinder, tank, missile. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Not whilst you're in the middle of a, whilst you're holding the American president hostage, you're having a piss and you're suddenly, suddenly you're transported to being a child again. It's... it's it's nice. There's something wholesome about pissing, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah, very wholesome. I, I, he's probably thinking, God, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to like do an act of war? And then, yeah. uh, and then he remembers he is. And he'll, he'll be delighted. <laughs> so he looks behind him and sees his gun in the sink where he sensibly left it. He looks up in the mirror and realises he hates America because he hates himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, we've, got this, <laughs> we've got this space, then we've got the word God, then we've got another space. And, uh, and we're cutting, cutting to the skies, Jimmy. So we've, we've mm -hmm. questioned this in the last episode. So mm -hmm. we're finally getting to see how it kind of comes to fruition. But high over the Atlantic, warm gulf winds were pushing the stealth bombers faster than they had ever flown before. <laughs> it just seems unnecessary. Like, why is that? These are, these are very fast planes. Must like, be Cameron's dad yeah. flying then, mate. <laughs> so, yeah. Lock up your corner shops. He's about to... <laughs> Um, but I mean, why are they going faster than ever? Like they're already, if they're going faster, because he, he has timed exactly how long it takes to get there. And he meant to start it in an earlier chapter. And he just couldn't <laughs> cut, cut and paste it earlier into the book. And, uh, you know, almost respect to him for making that. Like, hey, everyone knows that American stealth bombers, there's a button on the dashboard that says president's in danger. Push that and you get an extra, extra gear. You, that's, what it, that's what they put on the NOS. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's they're drifting. To yeah. London. <laughs> but anyway, whatever they're doing, they're doing it faster than they'd ever done it before. Parliament Square was now a parade ground of crack troops, the Paras, the SAS. That's the end of that. Yeah. Men with blackened faces were running on rubber soles to take up positions all over Puget and Barry's place. They scoped the gryphons in their sights. They primed the stun grenades. They checked the rope ladders. In the ops room of Scotland Yard, which we have not been to for yeah. a long time. Some old friends yeah. coming back here. Yeah. I know, yeah. We've got the old, the double active, uh, the P&B double act. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, we're back in the ops room of Scotland Yard. And the Deputy Assistant Commissioner of the Metropolis was twitching like a palsied ant. <laughs> which seems like the kind of thing you shouldn't say. Yeah. These lunatics could blow themselves up at any moment. And yet Blewett the Yank seemed paralysed. What, what has Blewett been other than paralysed throughout this entire 
304 pages. I mean, he's not really got a reputation as a man of action so far. Uh, not certainly in, in the way that I've uh, understood the book. They basically just talk to each other in a similar way for, yeah, every time we've been to them, they've just been arguing about what they should do and they've not actually made any decisions. That's correct, yeah. The, the, the decision from memory was brought up to them um, by a junior member of the team who suggested that they use a uh, tranquilizer, a rhino from memory tranquilizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and all, but all they did was, was kind of say yes and then move on. So uh, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. It's not, this is not, I don't think, if you were in that room, I don't think you'd go, oh, Blewett's not been very effective for the last few minutes. No. Just do, yeah, business as usual. And anyway, here, here's the paralyzed man. Um, I really think we should give the command, Colonel, he said. Of course, the odds are not particularly bright, but we've got to give it a go. So <laughs> I think that's actually, uh, I think that's actually Deputy Assistant Commissioner Purnell who was saying that. So, uh, yeah, but those are, those are the skills that pay the bills, mate. That's, that's why you get to the top of the Metropolitan Police, is statements like, of course, the odds are not particularly bright, but we've got to give it a go. That's the kind of operational security and planning that you want from the nation's uh, most high-profile police officer. So that's so you say that, and that's actually something that's just occurred to me. It hasn't it hasn't come up throughout the whole book, but perhaps they shouldn't have had the or, or one or the other, but not the deputy assistant commissioner. <laughs> you know, maybe it's not a maybe it's not a commissioner's job, but just the you know, the deputy assistant. How how low are we? Like, this is it's true. Actually, is this yeah. why there's been no decisiveness? <laughs> Just, That's a very yeah. good point. I can't believe we didn't notice that before. Where's the commissioner? Colonel, Colonel Blewett. The yeah. Colonel they've shipped over. The, the, the assistant commissioner's not there. It's, the, the commissioner's not there. Not mentioned either. Not even been on the phone. Not been like, are you guys sure you've got this? Because from my understanding, the uh, terrorists have taken the president hostage and they've handcuffed themselves to him and they've got a gun to his head and they've pistol whipped him. And they've taken him to another room that we have got no line of sight on. I just, just want to check in and see if you guys are handling it okay. And, and the deputy assistant commissioner has, has submitted a grievance for micromanagement. Like, what, where, 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 are we to believe that that wouldn't happen? No, just let, no, let him get on with it. I'm on holiday. <laughs> well, I think actually, now that you've, you've made this, uh, you know, absolutely astounding observation with only what, 15 pages left in the book. Uh, I think that perhaps the whole novel is, is somewhat coming into focus for me because we've talked at length about Jones's organizational management approach to his uh, side of things. Obviously Barlow uh, runs a pretty sloppy ship when it comes to hiring interns and uh, doling out passes to people to get into parliament. Maybe this is a novel about kind of about management about good management practices. Have we misread that? If, if, we were doing, if we were doing Old Boys Book Club 100 years ago, would we be sitting here like fools saying, well, it's ridiculous that he's turned into, a, into an insect overnight. And it's, oh, and he could fit through the door? No, ridiculous. <laughs> it's Boris Johnson, the Kafka of our age. And we're, it's just, Possibly. has it gone over our heads? Possibly. Possibly. It's, it's a very it's, real risk of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you spoke uh, very well to um, 
to Jones, yeah, concentrating knowledge at the top of an organization, how that's not, you know, there's no good pathways of knowledge filtering down. I, I feel like the same is here. Like where, where's the support from his superiors for, for Blewett and Purnell? Surely there should be some sort of um, mentorship program or something they can lean on uh, at this time to uh, to help them through this crisis but but there's nothing i mean i i'd say from this i don't know what i think about the book but very suddenly i think that we should have a small government with very little oversight <laughs> i agree so that seems subliminally drummed into me mm -hmm. so anyway we're in the control room with the, i'd say now differently ranked i think mm -hmm. i actually think there is an outranking but colonel blue was staring at the cornflake packet and lego model of westminster hall I've, I have a memory of this. Is this? Have I forgotten this? No, they they they, they made they made a, a an ad hoc model uh, earlier so that they could um, they could plan out what they were going to do. But I mean, obviously, there's no rational explanation as to why um, the ops room of Scotland Yard would have Lego in it. But <laughs> Alexa. Did Boris Johnson watch Apollo 13 whilst writing <laughs> Almost certainly. Anyway, so Blewett's staring at it and uh, he, he, could see the <laughs> he could see the conflagration in his mind's eye. The flesh charred and shriveled like something left on a barbecue. Wacko, he said. Wacko had nothing on this. And then there yeah. is a dot, 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 and I've worked out what's happening here. There's a space and it's the word bless. So we're, we're going back. I think what oh, we're I saying, yeah. he's doing a clever narrative trick where we're, we're skipping sections whilst, this is all happening whilst Yves Charpentier, Yves Charpentier. is, yeah, whilst he's giving his speech and um, we're cutting to different scenes throughout the speech. That's what's happening here. So we, now he's got to bless. Mm -hmm. And then we're cutting back to, uh, to our, our man at the back. And I tell you what, thought Roger Barlow, as he cast around for other undertakings he could offer the Almighty, I really promise that I'll put a lot more into my marriage. Because <laughs> I know that you only get out what you put in. Tell, so, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly selfish motive anyway. I'm not sure God's going to buy into that. But tell you what, God, old bean, I'll clean up the puddles on the bathroom floor. <laughs> and I'll even remember to put the sodding electric toothbrush on the charger. And, oh, all right, he winced. I'll make stuff to eat, fish pie and what. <laughs> and perhaps I'll roll up my sleeves and wear some gay pinafore like Little Chester here. I, I mean, Roger's, Roger's mind is it's slurry, isn't it? What, yeah. What's, what's going Absolutely on? diseased. Diseased man who, I mean, let's spare a thought for Mrs. Barlow for a second I mean, here. Yeah. A character who's not even been given a name in this book, but <laughs> can you imagine what her life has been like married to this man? Like, just pisses on the floor, doesn't clean it up. It said, he said in a previous, it was two or three episodes ago, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll never open a tin of tuna and just put it under the bed again. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with this man? Like, oh, yeah, we, I'll remember to charge the sodding electric toothbrush. Like, yeah, well, good, good oral hygiene is, is quite important in a marriage. Oh, oh I suppose I'll make some food for us to eat. Oh, Jesus Christ, she just expects so much of me to make some food to bring home some I mean, I've got... sustenance for her and my child. Like, 
I've got I've got problems with gay pinafore as well. I mean that's. I mean, yeah, I, I'm no. assuming he's not meaning that in the in the Enid Blyton sense of the word. Although plenty, of, right, exactly. plenty of Enid Blyton's words we, we wouldn't want to repeat. But um, <laughs> yeah, she's not. So, he's not saying it's a happy uh, and jolly pinafore, is it? It's it's no, uh, it's not. in the same realm as pineapple upside down cakes. Hundred percent. But what I catch, Rog, the old uh, the old floor pisser, who goes out with his. <laughs> With his cock and balls dangling everywhere on the street, flashing at his neighbours, stinking of the tuna that he's left under his bed that he refuses to brush out of his teeth. Yeah, because why should he have to plug it in? Like, like, yeah. This also, this isn't how you plead with God. God's not looking at this and going, "Yeah, all right, on balance, I guess that's like." It's, it's, there's so much there's so much he needs to do to get back to zero before he's even giving right? yeah. you know. does Roger think when he sees a man who's not spattered with food <laughs> does he think yeah gay like, <laughs> does, does he like to walk Wait. out of the kitchen just covered in like fat and sauce that's just gone all over his shirt I mean he's, he's certainly not doing the washing so he probably doesn't care but just, just absolutely astonishing to 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 just be like, oh, wearing an apron's gay. Like, <laughs> how old is this man? Well, yeah, but he's 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 like all the characters. He's exactly the same age as the author, which is like you know, forty. Forty when he wrote this. Forty. But a twelve-year-old, a twelve-year-old boy in the boarding house wrote this in the body of a, a sort of apparently forty-year-old man. Oh my god! So that's Barlow's uh, interpolation into this, and then uh, and then we, it goes dot dot dot. Whilst Barlow's meditating on, you know, Chester being a homosexual because he wears a presumably apron, um, <laughs> is cut out as Chester. Oh no, sorry, not as Chester. As Eves says, America. And as he says that, we cut back to the room with. Uh, uh, in which the president's been held hostage and we're with Jones. He says, goodbye, Dean, my child. He pressed the button marked yes on the Nokia, which is, for me is a bit rude one, but fair enough. The number came up in the blue screen, <laughs> in the blue square on the screen. Dialing, said the machine, and began to count the seconds. More just brilliant detail of uh, phones in the Borisverse. Um, People may not remember, but in a previous episode, it was revealed that phones in the Borisverse have got at least 16 numbers on them because <laughs> there was a character who pressed the number 16 on the phone. And now we find that <laughs> phones have just got a button that says yes on them. <laughs> yes. But it. But it, it <laughs> also powered by some kind of AI that knows what to do your bidding. It yeah. knows what you want. It's a, yes, it's just a prompt saying, do what I'm thinking. <laughs> it presses yes, and then it just dials Dean. Like, yeah. How would it... I don't even think... There is no modern phone where you, he would, he'd at least have to ha press it twice, but, and that would be if the last person he called was Dean. And how would he have yeah. ever preempted this? But, yeah. <laughs> and why is he using the bomb phone for calls? Like, yeah. he, 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 Oh, something sticking out the back of your phone, mate. Like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be making a bomb into it later, but I'm just using it to order a takeaway. I was calling Dean. Like, 
Anyway, so he's done. He's done that, and 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 he's began to count the seconds, which is something we began ten months ago. Uh, yeah. Then we same room, Johnny. Imagine it, but it's kind of cut shot to Adam and the camera. Yeah. No, I certainly wasn't in on it," said Adam to Cameron. And for the first time in their relationship, it seemed she noticed the odd little lentil-shaped convexity, the relic of a trapped follicle, perhaps, on his cheek. Was her love dying? <laughs> she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it could. And perhaps, indeed, it was not. <laughs> well, she's not that's, that sentence just doesn't work. She couldn't believe it could. And she was right. Don't be angry. The only thing I can assume is that Benedict took us all for a ride. I mean, incredible. I, th- I would say Cameron needs to go for an eye test because uh, not only has she not noticed something the size of a lentil on the man she's been in love with his face for six months, uh, but she never never noticed the uh, Légion d'honneur on his lapel. So I don't know what's going on there with her eyesight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Adam, I think I might be falling out of love with you. Got this uh, lentil-shaped uh, mole pit on your your cheek. Oh no, that's not a mole pit. That's a uh, <laughs> tattoo of a swastika. <laughs> oh no, I didn't even realise. And then and then yeah, so that he's blaming it on Benedict, which is I think you're you you know I, I doubt this is actually a sort of metaphorical business book. I do think it's a book that is deeply misogynistic. So. <laughs> yes. Adam's doing what every other character in this book has done. And yes. either implicitly or explicitly, in this case explicitly, blaming a woman for something. Yeah, yeah. And, and why instance, not? You know, it's his right. This is yeah. right. In this instance, it's a double whammy because it's uh, an Islamic woman. So we Boris is ticking two boxes here, two two of his big number one public enemies. Number one, women <laughs> and Muslims, right between <laughs> the two barrels here. For, for his for his Clarkson esque you know Top Gear readership, he's done the <laughs> he's done the shit sandwich here. He's got his own joke. He's had his fun, you know. He gave he opened it up with that horrible reference to uh, to headwear. Um, then he went in for his dick. He called the uh, bloody villagers boneheaded. That's a joke. That's because because he knows someone who is one. Self deprecating. And then he's, isn't it? he's rounded it off. Yeah, he's, you know that's fine. They're, they're all mates. And then he's got it. He's got them back on side because they're like, what is that? What Boris Dixon? And then he's got them back on the side with, no, it's a foreign woman. And they're like, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> That's it. That's why I'm here. I was worried with that boneheaded comment. Yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, don't yeah. worry, don't worry, Tomo. It's all a joke. Yeah. Um, I think gay, pen- gay pinnacles was important in that sequence as well. Getting them back. Absolutely. Forward. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, what, what I hate most about Jamie Oliver, what I, yeah, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. It's the way he is, isn't he? I bet he is, you know. You know Jules, yeah, she's a prop. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a something that something the TV studio organised. Yeah, it's all a fix-up. Yeah, no, he is one. With the pinafore, yeah, don't say it. I need to say it. <laughs> and um, we're back with something that frequently baffles him, technology. Mm-hmm. Connecting, in caps, said the machine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been dialing. It's now connecting. Yeah. And here's a, here's a kind of... Um, rudimentary insight into uh, <laughs> international uh, satellite-derived telecommunications works. Somewhere in the ether, one gang of chirruping electrons was introduced to another gang. They snuffled around each other. They started to speak each other's language. They seriously clicked and began electronic intercourse. The corresponding mobile <laughs> phone vibrated once. 
<laughs> that's how um, that's how uh, it works. Yeah. When a mum electron and yeah. a dan electron um, transposed by a, a satellite. Mm-hmm. Just, just why? Just why? <laughs> it's, it's so torturous, isn't it? Like that is obviously an attempt at humour, and it just it 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 misses by such a wide degree that you almost doubt yourself that you've read what you've read like yeah do you know what i mean it yeah yeah it's it's like it's just so incongruous like so much of it is but you're just like is that did they mean to put that in or is that from a different book yeah but it just makes me think that he's been surrounded his entire life by people who laugh at his jokes and tell him he's funny but actually anyone who isn't trying to suck up to him or isn't for some reason impressed by his performance it just it just reads so badly tell tell them what about tell them what about chirping electrons again boris <laughs> <laughs> everything is just I, so I base it's all just tits and sex and like do you know what, it's just yeah even electrons are shagging quantum shagging anyway johnny bit of action for you so i hope you and i hope at home you're sitting down the explosion could be heard all over the palace. Oh my god! And in the square outside, and you're probably thinking, "Well, explosions yeah, will do anything." Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for the the sound was explosive. <laughs> the, it's, um, but yeah, you're you're right, Johnny. Ch- quick, quick sanity check here before we get ahead of ourselves. I'll ask the question for you. That could have been loads of things, right? Okay, it could have been. Yeah. Let me put your let me put your mind at ease. It wasn't a car backfiring or a firework <laughs> or someone inadvertently putting a match to the intestinal vapours of a cow, if you're wondering that. In Westminster. In the hall. <laughs> oh, well, someone just, sorry, I know we're doing a terrorist thing here, but can someone just check that someone's not just let off some fireworks in the heavily policed Westminster Hall? Um, oh, no, they haven't. It was someone lighting the intestinal tract of a cow. Ah, uh, okay, it's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It will be that. In case you were wondering, it was none of those things. Right. What it was, Johnny, what it was, was an aggressive percussive noise, the rattling of demons on the gates of hell. Oh my God. Sounds like quite an explosion, mate. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, because if I say, <laughs> if I say to you, massive explosion, you think one sound in your head. You might even yeah. have a synesthetic almost reaction to that and have a sense yeah. of what that might sound like. And if I say to you, rattling gates, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, gonna bet, I'm gonna bet you've got a very different sound in mind. <laughs> even if they were lateral, even if you were rattling them really, really, really loud, it's not the same noise as a man wrapped up with TNT yeah. being blown up by a mobile explosive device. Yeah. It's a different noise. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. So, and and I, I, would also, I would also like to think if I heard a massive explosion, I wouldn't go, I mean, it's, it's different to the noise of a firework isn't it? I mean, we've all, we've all heard fireworks. <laughs> They've got a very distinctive yeah. sound. <laughs> it, was the, it was the biggest noise ever. It wasn't a pebble falling from a table onto the ground. <laughs> it wasn't a twig snapping. Yeah. It was someone scratching a pencil along the eye of the blackboard in Jaws, but with something even louder. Yeah. Ugh, I'm, I'm really losing patience. Although, you'll like this bit. You morons, screamed Raymondo Charles, who oh. was being made, but 
but yeah, he's back and he's not. I thought I thought he was quite severely beaten up, but yeah, he was, it was yeah. been made to kneel on the ground in Whitehall, not far from the cenotaph, with his hands cuffed behind his back. You hear that? Now they're sending in the freaking SWAT guys like this is Radon and Tebe. Freaking idiotic cowboy shit for brains. <laughs> wow. Raymond is pissed. Yeah. Hey, knock it off, man, said a British captive. <laughs> yeah, said another captive. A gloomy-looking ponytail fellow with a motorhead t-shirt. Whose side are you on anyway? I mean, we don't know with Raimondo. I think he <clears throat> he sort of changed halfway through, didn't he? He was he was at the protest to uh, get a bit of skirt, uh, and then um, ended up getting himself uh, savagely beaten by the Secret Service for being misidentified as the thrower of an ostrich egg. People remember, and I think I think I remember at the time there was some sort of reference to that. That's what changed his politics and made him a a sort of a, a liberal lefty. But maybe that's in the future for a sequel to this that follows Raimondo Charles because at the moment he's um, I don't know his ideology seems in flux <laughs> it does doesn't it but then yeah if he is super lefty is he saying that the problem is that the SWAT team have gone in and they shouldn't go in and yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure I don't understand the reference of the raid on Enteb which I guess is what unlocks the whole of this uh, passage for us uh, well yeah look it was a successful counter-terrorist hostage rescue mission carried out by commanders of the IDF at Entebbe Airport in Uganda on the 4th of July, 1976. Wow, well, there you go. So, but so it was successful? Yeah. So is he... So, I honestly don't know the perspective of any of the people in that, in that paragraph. It's baffling. I mean, I've got a theory on this. I've got a theory building on this chapter. On, uh, towards the end of the book, which I will I will discuss in the postscript. But yeah, let's let's um, <laughs> let's move past the uh, skillfully drawn, gloomy captive in a motorhead t-shirt. <laughs> so imagine just being captive. Uh, it just doesn't fit, does it? Mm. Gloomy, just a bit gloomy. <laughs> yeah. uh, having a down day, really. That's me. Adam <laughs> threw his arm round Cameron, but she hunched her shoulders and pulled away from him. No, she said in a small voice, don't. <laughs> oh uh, dear, trouble in paradise, mate. I'd say so. Also, they're in the same room, so this is interesting, but she's, <laughs> she's kind of got the peace of mind to say, no, don't, I'm annoyed at you. Cut to, the president hurled himself to the floor, not out of any particular cowardice, but simply in deference to the many lessons he'd been given in protecting POTUS in the event of a bomb. It is a measure of the violence with which he hurled himself that Jones the Bomb, still handcuffed to his captive, came to. It is not a measure of the violence, but it's a <laughs> fundamental law of physics. It's, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're jumping all over the place, but Benedict spun round to see where the explosion had come from. So did Habib, and 1,600 eyes bugged from their sockets as the audience prepared to surrender to a full-blown gathering hysteria, kicking over the little gilt chairs and thinking, at last, of making a break for it. Silver stick dropped his silver stick and then caught it again, like a conjurer, before raising it in the on-guard position. Dean jumped out of his skin, and if you're thinking, that's a weird choice of words, given the sentence, but only metaphorically. <laughs> so it's, it's, not a weird, it's not a weird choice of words. It's a, um, <laughs> it's a metaphor, and presumably it's the only metaphor available for that kind of thing. And Johnny, in case you were wondering like, what that means metaphorically, <laughs> um, 
following sentence. I think we'll hopefully clear that up. <laughs> his skin remained attached to his body. <laughs> so that's... So, he didn't, so he's, he's jumped out of his skin, but, <laughs> but only metaphorically. And his skin actually, oh. just, just to check in on the skin for a sec, that's remained attached to his body. So Dean's intact. <laughs> I just got this. I've got a mental image of an old boy reading this on a beach in the summer of 2005 and just reading that first bit of the sentence and turning to his wife going, Dean's dead. And then going, <laughs> but, oh, no, no, he's all right. <laughs> oh ah okay <laughs> I thought it was the, I thought it was the, oh no yeah Dean jumped out of his skin but only metaphorically what I mean what other meaning is there it's, yeah <laughs> Dean um, Dean very very temporarily astral projected um, <laughs> but but then he, but then he didn't. So, just, just insane. Yeah. Um, he turned around and rushed back down the corridor to room W six. Pickle yeah. barely moved. Freak me dead. He thought. <laughs> Which wow. is an upgrade on his previous uh, desire yeah. to be freak spastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, in case you've not worked it out yet, it was Haroon, of course, who Jackson pollocked the walls and ceilings of the gentleman's members' conveniences with his blood and brains. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it was because his circumstances were so confined, but the five kilo bomb did remarkably little damage to anything else. A light bulb was lost to his levitating brain pan and his teeth chipped the tiles. Various parts of him were trapped in the U-bend of the lavatory, but they <laughs> presented no real problems to, to the forensic plumbers. I mean, R.I.P. Haroon. R.I.P. Haroon. Ah, we've, we've lost a great one. I mean, obviously I'm not a bomb disposal expert, but usually when they dispose of a bomb and you see it on the news, they take it out to like a field, like a big open space, and they blow it up there. I just, I have a problem with the fact that his circumstances were so confined that the five kilo, which is a fucking massive bomb, um, did remarkably little damage to anything else. You know, he set off an explosion in a small confined, uh, what is this? Sixteenth, seventeenth century lavatory, yeah. in the middle of a building. That sounds like it's going to be the most damaging place it could possibly go off. Yeah, I mean, I'm not again, like you, not an expert. I, I'd say, and without even speculating too widely, I would suggest that there would be there wouldn't be a U bend to do <laughs> forensic <laughs> forensic pathology on. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go on a limb and say that is not possible. Um, but anyway, yeah. there we are. Well, one of, one of the most devastating uh, wrong number dials in history by Jones of the Bomb there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate, wrong number. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, I mean, he did, he wasn't meaning to get Dean, wasn't he? Which I presume is the... Um, is the, is the reason for, for the ridiculous uh, jumped out of his skin nonsense from Boris in the previous line, which e- even if you, you know, were kind of thinking along those lines, still doesn't work. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, R.I.P. Haroon, all he ever wanted in this book was a piss, and now he's, he's dead. <laughs> he's brown bread, mate. He did, uh, he did get to piss, though, so he will be... He'd have taken, you know, the last thing he felt was pleasure. So, 
we 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 could wish we could wish to go the same way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then we we got a bit of a little bit of uh, re- religious uh, philosophy here, a bit of, a bit theology. of theology. Yeah. Did he attain paradise? Beyond that final orgastic delivery of urine. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a lovely line! But I mean, this is this is taken straight out of the uh, the words of the imam, isn't it? Over mm, the, yeah, um, I think so, yeah. the funeral. Um, who are we to speculate on whether or not he pissed himself happy? Um, <laughs> was he transported on wings of angels to the soft bowers that await the martyrs in the island of the blessed? Does her room now live in a dome decorated with pearls, aquamarine marine and rubies, a sunny pleasure dome as wide as the distance between Algebaia, a suburb of Damascus, and the Yemeni capital of Sana'a? Is he attended by 80,000 serpents? Does he eat of honeydew and drink the milk of paradise? And finally, is this menu brought to him by 72 black-eyed virgins, so decorous and submissive as to assuage all of the sexual indignities of this earth? Or has he by now eaten his pitiful ration of raisins? I'm not sure who's talking. My <laughs> friends, I have not the faintest idea. There, as they say in German, I am over-questioned. No narrator, whatever omniscience <laughs> he may claim, can give you the answer to that one. But I have my suspicions. But, wow. but by outing himself as the narrator, yeah. he's also outed himself as the racist. Yeah, the Islamophobe. There's obviously no... Um, casting aspersions on any other uh, version of the afterlife uh, which by its very definition one can't be more ridiculous or implausible as the next because <laughs> they are obviously unknowable so it, it's just I mean it's it's just Islamophobia basically isn't it it's just like saying look at these look at this silly religion and what they believe I mean yeah it's just it's very depressing from the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. But there you go. Those are his thoughts, mate. Those are his thoughts. He's got his suspicions. And he he doesn't like (laughs) I mean, this is it's it's so strange. There are there are parallels to the world we live in now. I mean, Twitter's full of this stuff, just people who who just pose as experts on various matters. Uh, is that really what happens? I've got my suspicions. You know, mm. from everything from whether COVID is real to whether Biden won the election to the German analysis of vaccines is correct or not. You find any tosser willing to weigh in, he'll make some smarmy point and be like, doesn't seem likely to me. You're like, well, you, you, you're not an expert. Shut up. No one cares. Yeah. As we sit now at the, and the kind of like the extra time of capitalism, as far as I'm concerned, and, and the acceleration of everything to the point that we, we just have this kind of entropy of the human species. You can you can look at like 2004 of people like him, and you can see that this is a fairly decent jumping-off point for it. Like this is kind of super early Facebook. This is the beginning of all of yeah. this stuff, and um, this is how like this this complete piece of shit text is how you you used to have to get your insane opinions into public uh into the public domain at any kind of scale and um you also had to be the minister for culture to get them mm. published and, and that whilst wrong and elitist did at least curtail the kind of like fire hose of insanity that is yeah. the kind of social parts of the internet and um and what we see now is just we see this book being written every single day like yes yeah. 
every every second of every day someone is writing this but without even bothering the attempt not that he's really bothered but without bothering the attempt at narrative uh, that kind of substantiates it as a, as a work of fiction in its own right but just cutting out the like the racist bits and the the, the complete like crap opinions the the overt speculation which is like you know dog whistle to to all these kind of right-wing groups and just but you just have to say that's the only bit you need to say because you don't need to make a book now to say these kind of things you can just tell everyone it is exactly that you, you you're right it is it is the proto facebook version of the same thing but also just it's just so kind of not not even an undergraduate level of of criticism or there's not even a fig leaf of intellectualism to cover his islamophobia and it, and and it, the the critique itself ends up being a it ends up more of as a critique of of the concept of faith in general because it's just like well you, you can't possibly know these things so why would you believe it it's like well that, that that's the entire basis of religion is that you have to essentially have faith that these things are as you suppose them to be. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very sad. And what, I mean, what an absolutely mental chapter of a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it, isn't it? When you're, when you're going through I'm it. Exhausted. I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted. Genuinely, it's like, it's screw bedtime yoga. Just reading this, like there's, there's like there's almost none of it you can kind of flow through because every single paragraph is just insane. Old boys. Okay, Andy. I mean, what a, a, a rare one chapter episode, but that's chapter fifty six in the bag, and I've got a little theory I'd like to share with you, um, and it goes like this. Boris, as we know, wrote this book in two thousand and four, and I think as he was getting to the end. He was running out of gas. And um, I think he maybe called up his friend, big, big Mikey Gove, and said, mate, have you got anything that can give a man a little bit of energy to get through a little bit of writing quite late at night because the deadline's coming up? Because that chapter was absolutely mental. And it read like being cornered by someone who's on a lot of cocaine at a party because it was all over the place. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Gove's provided a bit of the old Guantanamo <laughs> marching powder to, uh, to Boris. And uh, in, in a sense, it's got everything. I think yeah. we meet all of the characters that are still revolving, even some that have just been, it's remembered that we've had in there. And... Um, and then in another sense, in a very real sense, it has nothing yeah. uh, because, because of that attempt to have everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's batshit as a yeah. chapter. It's very much a chapter that defined by the Islamophobia of the, of the author. Um, you know, started with the, the towel head nutters, finished with uh, a rather uh, infantile um, discussion of the afterlife as promised to the martyrs, in this case, Haroon, R-A-P, to a real one. Obviously, goes without saying, absolutely awful. But how do you feel about losing Haroon, mate? I mean, it feels like we hardly knew him. I know, it's, as with all of the characters, you, 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 know, you get superficially close, don't you? But you never, you never really get to know them. I think with Haroon, maybe, less complex than some of the others. So I do... I do feel that we, we had a good idea. We had somewhat of an idea of his psyche. And 
if I was if I was sort of roped in last minute to deliver the eulogy at um, celebration of Haroon's life, I think I'd describe him as a man who wanted to have a piss, <laughs> and and I think probably. I think the audience, I think the assembled guests would, would sort of nod at that point, you know, looking quite, yeah. you know, sort of introverted, a bit of a navel gaze and go, <laughs> he was, you know, they'll say for, for 212 pages, his entire existence in fiction, he yeah. really was a man who wanted to have a piss. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say, and, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the beloved gathered here. Um, and he had that piss, didn't he? He, he had died doing what he loved. He died, he lived... <laughs> He died as he lived, having, well, trying to have and then having a piss. Yeah. And, uh, and there's no, is there, is there any one of us who wouldn't want to go the same way? And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I take it in my stride. It did seem obvious from, if you remember, when the, uh, I think it was Dean, in fact, when they, were getting the, uh, when they were getting the kit out of the back of the van, Dean did a bit of a switcheroo. Think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we suspected he'd done a switch room. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that was a kind of trade-in. So I wasn't too surprised when it wasn't Dean who was blown up. Yeah. Um, not as surprised as Dean, who <laughs> jumped out of his skin, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> his skin stayed intact, yeah. which is just, I think, is my <laughs> favourite line in fiction ever. So, you know, the, book, the book's taken a long time to, to give something back to us. But, yeah. but that line, which is, I think, the worst... Written, I think it's fair to say the worst written line ever. Yeah, um, is just beyond superb. Like the, yeah, Dean jumped out of his skin, but only metaphorically. His skin remained attached to his body. <laughs> it's just ah, <laughs> uh, you just it's unbeatable. What yeah. mind wrote that? But you're right. Yeah, maybe maybe a mind who was who was you know chattering away at the keyboard, powered by Mikey Gove's special yeah. magic dust. <laughs> Condolences, obviously, to um, Haroon's family, um, but I think we draw a veil over it there, mate. Um, we um, we'll see you next week for for what will be another single chapter episode because there's a lot to get through here. These are very dense pieces of uh, of prose, so uh, next week we'll cover off chapter fifty-seven. But until then, we'll see you later. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.